Well, hello and welcome to From Busy to Rich with Wes Young. Uh, Today's podcast is, as always, designed to inspire advisors to create profitability and improve their quality of life. Today, we're going to get deep, my friends. We're going to go some places that you're going to have to do some introspection. Um, Every person listening to this, it's going to apply to you. So no one will escape today, Wes or Justin. Um, Great to see you both. Wes, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, brother. Good to see you. Good. Justin, how are you? Doing well. It's great to be here. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you guys are both here. Um, Listen, we were just talking about this pre-show. I'm reading a book right now that I sincerely do not enjoy, Uh, but it reminds me of something I learned a long time ago about the difference between hurt and harm. Um, Something can hurt and be really good for you, right? Something that harms you generally is not good for you. An example of this might be the dentist. The dentist can hurt, but their job is not to harm you, right? Like, you go, that hurts. And you go, well, I'm here to help. I'm helping you, but it hurts. Uh, and today, I think what we're going to talk about is going to hurt a little bit, right? But it will not harm you. It will be really good for you if you're listening and you listen for yourself. Don't listen for your spouse. Don't listen for your friend at work. Don't listen for someone else. Listen for yourself. So, Wes, what are we talking about today? Today, we are going to talk about emotional fitness and its impact and its capacity to really increase our profitability and quality of life for not only ourselves, but for everybody around us. I know that there are people who are listening that have never sat and paid someone a hundred and some dollars an hour to talk about their feelings, that being counseling. There's others that maybe have never sat with a pastor or, or, or they don't really maybe even have friendships or they go that deep emotionally. Um, I would just encourage you, if you're in that group where you just really haven't gone here before, you haven't talked about this stuff, uh, don't tune out. Don't turn us off. Uh, just be open to the fact that Wes and his team, um, they want to help you. And that this is like many things. If it's really hard, if it's really difficult, it's probably good for you. And so with that premise, Wes, I- I'd love for you to maybe uh, begin with a story or two about um, kind of setting this up. Yeah. So I promise this is going somewhere and it does relate to what we're talking about. But Andy, have you ever operated a potato gun? I have. They are um, powerful, uh, usually put together with some duct tape and um, a lot of fun. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I I will tell you, um, for those of us listening, because I know we got a lot of listeners on here who may be uneducated in the way of vegetable weapons. I'm going to, I'm going to give a little understanding of what a potato gun is. Potato gun is like a long PVC pipe. Say it's a, you know, couple inches in diameter. And then attached to that pipe on one end is this larger PVC pipe with a cap that screws on and off the end. And, and it has a, an igniter in the end of that cap meaning like a push button grill igniter. If you've ever lit, you know, turn on a gas grill and you had to push a friction igniter to, to light the gas that threw a spark in there. Think of that. And then what happens is you take a potato that's a little bit bigger than the end of the small PVC pipe, which is your barrel. And you cram it on there to where it like cores the inside of the potato. Yeah, you got to, you got to cram it in there. It can't be. You can't have air, any air. It's got to be, got to be a perfect airtight seal. And then you take a, um, a, a tool, a potato gun tool called a broom handle. And you, and you actually push that, that down the tube all the way close to the combustion chamber. Then you fill it with some kind of explosive aerosol gas, you know, paint, deodorant, uh, hairspray, all those are the favorites. Put those, which is kind of 
funny when you think about that, you put that on your head. A lot of people do. It is a very flammable uh, combustible. Very so you're going to uncap the, the part that's sort of behind you. Yep. And someone else probably should be doing that while you hold yep. the gun. Yeah. It's going to be uncapped. They're going to seal the area with some sort of combustible air, put the cap on as quickly as possible. And then the person operating the gun would then take the ignition switch and push it. It's just like charging a grill. So you push that sucker in, it's going to throw a spark in the combustion changer, which explodes and then launches that potato hundreds of yards. It'll go through pieces of, of small plywood. If you're close enough, it'll go through sheetrock. I mean, it is, it is a, now, you know, you might ask, why would you ever need to do this? And I, I don't really have an answer to that question other than it's just kind of fun to play around with. But when I was 15 years old, my friend Philip and I discovered the the uh, opportunities that existed if we were to build a potato gun. Mm-hmm. And uh, we built one, but it was like a potato cannon. It was like twice the size of a normal one. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to, I mean, if you make that thing six inches longer and, you know, one inch wider, you've quadrupled the yeah. power. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it was awesome. And we, we, we had to get really big potatoes so they wouldn't roll down the barrel. Um, we assembled this thing in my parents' garage. Um, fun fact, we, we ever talk about helicopter parents. I did not have helicopter parents. Um, in fact, they maybe gave me a little too much rope um, at, at some time. So we built this explosive device in the garage um, and uh, took it out to the field, got ready, real excited about it. And then I pushed the button. In eager anticipation of this thing launching, you know, hundreds of yards. And what I got instead of that was click and nothing happened. And then I hit it again, click, 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 nothing happened. So we figured we had a dud igniter. So undeterred, Philip and I, we got the hardware store, went back to my parents' garage, and uh, I was assembling the new igniter base with a different kind of igniter that I guess because it was wet or something, it didn't, didn't throw the spark the right way. Um, well, Philip had a great idea. He said, Hey, I'm going to file down the end of the barrel with this file so that it's sharp. Cause that potato is really hard to get on there. Oh, so yeah, I'm going yeah, yeah. to make sure that it's sharp instead of flat. I said, That's a great idea. So he's, he's standing on top of my dad's workbench with the potato gun barrel just under his face. And he's filing each side of the thing as he goes around. And every time he would do it, he would turn the potato gun a little bit and it would go click because. It still had the old igniter, which didn't work in the bottom of it. So every time you turn it, it would press that igniter. And it which wasn't a big deal, Andy, because igniter didn't work until it did. And then it went click, boom. And I look over and Phillips on the ground. He's got he's got a red mark going up his face, potato residue everywhere, with a hole going through my parents' attic. Oh. To which, to which my parents were home and they ran out into the into, into the garage looked at what was in front of them and asked a question that, that really parents have been asking for centuries. And, and no doubt if, if you were a kid or have them, you've, you've asked this and asked, been asked about it. They said something that all of us have heard. What were you thinking? Yeah. What were yeah, you thinking? Actually, it might be the message version of Genesis. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you know, God is walking the garden and says, what were you thinking? <laughs> what were you right? thinking? What were you thinking? Uh, that's a great question. Yeah. And, and I think it is a great, I really do, but here's where I think it goes. And this is, this kind of getting into the media today and talking about our own emotional, uh, fitness when it has to do things, this question. And I think a a modification to the question has an enormous capacity to impact our lives and keep us emotionally fit. Cause think about it this way. When, when we usually ask the question, I think 99% of the time people ask it in hindsight of something ha- that hadn't gone wrong. 
right? Which, yeah. which is not a bad idea. I mean, we're all coming into the, uh, we do quarterly planning in our office. And, and as we come into the end of a quarter, we do an assessment. And part of that is what results did we get? We usually have some that we knocked out of park, some that were okay. And then some that were not at all what we expected. And, and so I think it's a wise exercise to engage in to say, all right, what, what were we thinking? What thinking back then at the beginning of the quarter did we, did we engage in that led us to take the actions that we took that ultimately created the outcome that was subpar? Um, equally as important, I think, is to say, and what actions did, what, what, what thinking do we have that led us to take actions that we took that led us to the outcomes that were above it? Par that, that were like super, we were so excited. You know, we just loved what took place. And because if you don't know what's working when it's working, it's very difficult to fix it when it's broke. So I think in one sense, while while it's it's a great start to to like keeping emotionally fit, I don't think it's the most powerful way to ask the question, but I do think it's a starting point. Because I think while that's good, all of that is like after the activity has gone south, right? right. That and, and so I think a better way to ask the question is just to change it a little bit where you say, instead of what was I thinking? You say, what, what am I thinking? What am I thinking? Because if you can ask that question that way, it can head off a lot of, of negative results before those results ever occur, ever occur. Because if you're going through, if you're experiencing an emotion, if you're experiencing a, a, an issue or experiencing something that you you are not feeling great about it's a really wise thing to stop and and we're going to talk more about this and just ask the question wait a minute what am i thinking because i don't want to i don't want to have the plane crash and then later say hey what was i thinking i'd like to as the plane as something's going on i'm going wait what am i thinking right now that may right. lead me to a suboptimal result that i could make a course correction in right now and not just mindlessly be efficient and go through the state of emotions that will occur without me attacking my thinking let me um let me try and make some people uncomfortable, including myself, by stating some things that I, I think. Um, and again, we, we would love your feedback if you think that we're we're wrong. Uh, but one of the most empowering and frustrating things is the idea that we are responsible for virtually everything that happens to us. And you know, I, I find this comical when people are stuck in traffic and complaining about traffic, and I'm like, you you are the traffic. You know, like there is no them, and then. Like you are part of it. You know what I mean? Um, like we're all these stupid people driving to work at the same time every day. I'm like, you, me, like we, we are the stupid, like it's, it's a collective. It's not everyone else applies to, and then you're the smart person and they're just in your way. Right. So this idea that our experiences are for the most part, uh, within our control and, and maybe not even the experience, but our interpretation of the experience, uh, I would say is almost completely beyond our sort of survival reactions, right? If I throw something at you, you're going to put your hands up. I'm not going to say, why'd you put your hands up? You'll say, well, that's just a reaction. But emotionally, almost every emotion we have, we can actually dictate. And so if you feel a certain way, angry, sad, disappointed, happy, joyful, confused, um, that's something that you are choosing. And by you, I mean me. I mean, everyone that has a rational brain and so I think you'll find a few people. One is that you'll have people that that are very aware of this and they're constantly trying to improve the way they're thinking. And you'll have other people that they will never take responsibility for anything in their life. And so they will they will push that on other people and they're blamers and they're victims. Those are probably not people listening to the show. 
But I think there's a large percentage of people that also probably this is the largest is that they just haven't done the work to start to take control of it. Right. And so I, I we want to empower you today to start to take control of it. Um, a, a quote from a book I recently uh, started reading said that one of human beings greatest powers of all the great powers of human beings, this is one of our greatest powers, is our ability to use our thoughts to shape our reality and to interpret events in an empowering way. Wes, when you hear that, how often do you meet people, clients, people in business, that just the words out of their mouth, you can tell this isn't going to go well for you because the, the way they interpret the world, what happens to them, they take it and they say, ain't going to work. No good. How, how far does that happen to you? Uh, I would say regularly. I mean, daily for sure. I, I see people often in my life that they use language in a certain way and they suffer unnecessarily mm. because of the story they're telling about what they're interpreting. And, and it just doesn't have to be that way. I, you, you know, I, I think about, you think, ever think about a thermostat. In, in that, in this regard is thermostat is, is let's say you set it on 70 and it gets really hot. Well, what happens is it starts to, you move up and let's say it's 71. Well, often, most of the time, the thermostat won't kick on at 71 because there's a comfort zone bit built in. It'd be extraordinarily inefficient if it kicked on every time it moved a degree. Right. So it might be 72 or 73. All of a sudden it kicks on because it goes, wait, we're, we're supposed to be at 70 because it, mm. it, it clicks. And it conditions the environment to bring it back to what, what is normal for them, yeah. what is autopilot. And also is true if it gets really cold, right? Is it doesn't kick if it's 70, it doesn't kick on at 69, it maybe it's 68 or 67. And then what happens is go, oh, this isn't, this isn't what, what we're programmed to do. We need to kick on and we're bring, condition the environment to bring it back to, to 70. And, and so the thing about the thermostat is it's a lot like how we operate on autopilot when it comes to people. That that are that are not thinking that are not saying wait a minute what am I thinking we just we operate by our default setting mm-hmm. by our, by our default setting which is let, I'll use the example of money let's say you're an advisor out there and and you're a ten thousand dollar a month person that's what that's who you are that's what you that's your normal that's what you become and all of a sudden you're a you, all of a sudden you're maybe you're tracking towards a ninety five hundred dollar month that probably isn't too alarming it's not too far out of the comfort zone. But all of a sudden, if you're tracking towards a six thousand dollars month, you're going to wait a minute. We got to we, we got to get back to where our comfort zone is, where where we yeah. are, our autopilot. Yeah. Now it's fascinating that so you'll manufacture the energy necessary to do what you need to do, um, just to get back to what is muscle memory, what is mindfully mindless and you know mindless efficiency in your life. Same is true when you're like in a position, and all of a sudden you're not tracking. You're ten thousand, but now you you, you hit fifteen. Right. It, it, at 11, you weren't, oh, we weren't too far out of like changing your activities. But at 15, all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, I'm going to take the foot off the gas. This isn't who I am. I'm a, I'm a $10,000. You're not saying that, but it, it's, it's, it's an unconscious narrative. Self-conscious- I think if you ask, if you ask Wes, if you ask the people listening right now, though, I mean, there's someone in their car, there's someone at work, there's someone taking a walk. Right. And, and you said to them, if you made more, would you stop? Would you slow yourself down? They would say, no, why would I do that? Right. And the question becomes, I don't know, but why do you do that? Because it happens again. Yeah. I mean, and, and I would submit the proof of it is in this. And again, I'm not preaching to everyone. I'm, I'm preaching to myself and other, you know, but the, the idea is that 
How often do you see people go and they, they make 30% more than 50% more than 100%? There's this really strange incremental thing. And sometimes it's not incremental. Sometimes you just stay locked in. And in a business where there, you could double your income in a year, it's fascinating to me how many people move up by 10 or 15% because they're in the business because they don't want to have a job where you only move up 3%. Oh, thank you for my 3% raises here, which is less than inflation, right? Like, yeah. Like you don't want to be in that business, right? Everyone would say, I don't want to be in that business. And yet they've created for themselves, many people, a reality that because of these self-limiting and unconscious sort of beliefs uh, and emotions about themselves, that they create a reality where they stay within this financial. And what I would submit, and I'm going to, I'm going to back off this as soon as I go to it, but this, I believe also applies to your relationships. You see your marriage as this. You see your friendships as this. You see yourself and your office as this. And, and whatever that is, you, you, you're, you unconsciously stay in this zone of safety and identity versus saying, no, I'm going to become this, meaning way better, right? Yeah. It, it's, it's fascinating. And this book that, that I'm talking about mentions something about, I, I wish I had the specific phrase, but it's something where like we all have sort of our, um, you know, if you shake something that has a bunch of water in it, and then it becomes level after a while, after it calms down. We all have sort of our emotional level that when things are settled, we come back down to. And I think what's fascinating is people have that within their relationships. They have that within their health. They have that within their money. That everyone yeah. sort of accepts this reality. And it's fascinating. Some people go, yeah, I mean, I, I make 25 grand a month. And that's their emotional reality and their financial reality. And other people, it's twice as much. Yeah. What's the difference, Wes? Yeah. So... The difference is your, your, your emotional fitness that gives you the capacity to do the thing that's not your comfort zone mm. to reach to the next level that you need. It, it's hilarious. So, Andy, we just got done with uh, one of our transformed sessions. We have about 100 students um, right now. And in this particular session, I asked a question, and it's so relative to like this thermostat example and all the things we're talking about. I said, hey, how many of you, throw it in the chat if this is true and this is you, how many of you have ever started your week, looked at the week, and you wanted a meeting or meetings to cancel? Everybody said the same answer. Yes. Yes, Why? me, 100%. Why? Why? Because every time, if there was a meeting that maybe for them was uncomfortable or it was maybe it came to them a different way or it was a, a conversation they didn't want to necessarily have or a client that was a little bit hard to work with or whatever it might be. But everybody, every week, and I will throw myself in there, and is, I'll look at my week, and, and, and if I don't attack it, what happens is I say, oh, I hope that one doesn't happen. I hope that one cancels. Now, keep in mind, this, this is crazy, right? We make our, our living having meetings. We, we make the impact we make with our clients. We can't help people increase their profitability and quality of life unless we have meetings with them. I said, yeah. it is necessary to reach the future that I would want most. We have to have meetings. Now, that meeting doesn't need to, it doesn't always mean that that's a yes and it was an outcome, but it's one more revolution getting me closer to the, the future that I want to create. So how crazy is it that I would, I would say, gosh, I hope that meeting cancels. Or think about this, the power of the mind, Andy. Sometimes I'll go, you know, they didn't cancel, but I don't know that I'm feeling that good. And maybe I need, and you know what? It's not me. It's, it's my emotional fitness is basically making my body sick to say, yeah, you really can't go to that meeting right now, or, or you should probably cancel it, or you're, you're way too busy to, to do that. And you're, you're, abs you're sabotaging the very future that you want most. 
And I guarantee you, all of our listeners today in the financial business, I just I just got to assume that I'm me and 100% of the, the students, these 100 students that are on this uh, transform call, I'm guessing that we're probably in the majority here that most people enter their week and they bump into against that, but it's what you do with it. And it's, it's what you do with it because if you don't then take the time to go, as you, as you experience that, for me, that's one of the alarm bells. We'll talk about alarm bells in a second. But when I find myself looking at the week and saying, I hope that meeting cancels, like it's just a natural, that's my, my mindless efficiency response that comes out. Okay. That's my normal, my comfort zone. Right. And say, and, and, and when I see that, I go, wait a minute, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? The, this this very thing, this very activity is the thing that gets you closer to, not further from the future that you want most, the future that you're trying to create. Yeah. And so, so I think that that is one of the ways that we stay, maintain str- strength and be financially fit is just not allow that emotion to sabotage the activities that we want to engage in, but rather say, hey, in fact, I'm going to enjoy the process of preparing for this unusual meeting. Maybe because it's usually those that like you're, it's somewhat outside the normal that rhythm of of meeting cadence that you're used to, sure. or it's somebody that you're maybe a little bit nervous about meeting with. But you can either have fear, anxiety going into that, or you can have anticipation and excitement going. So I'm going to learn a lot as a result of right. having this meeting, and right. it, whether it goes to a yes, we're working together, or a hey, we're just not a good fit. I, I'm okay with either outcome because it gets me closer to my my ultimate result. Let's get really practical. And I want to ask anyone who's listening now to, to do this. Pick something in your life that you know is coming and that you're not looking forward to. Uh, it might be walking in the front door of your house today. There might be stuff at home that you don't, you don't want to be a part of, you don't want to deal with. It might be an issue in your marriage. It might be an issue with one of your kids. It might be that, you know, you're supposed to clean the garage and you don't want to clean the garage, whatever it might be, right? Um, you might not want to go into the office today. You might be listening right now and go, I don't want to go work today, right? And and I want to read this quote, and then I want us to work on this together, Wes. Um, here it is. Um, this is from Master Your Emotions, uh, a book by an author's name I cannot pronounce. So just look it up, uh, Master Your Emotions. Uh, he says, a problem needs to be labeled as a problem to actually exist. A problem exists only when you interpret a situation as being a problem. Otherwise, there is no problem. Now, that sounds like some Yoda stuff right there, Wes. And you got you to say that one more time. All right. Because if they're it's, taking notes like I am, I got I to have that. All right. One more and this time. is from Master Your Emotions. Um, the, the author's last name is spelled M-E-U-R-I-S-S-E, but I cannot pronounce his first or last name. God bless him. Wrote a great book, though. So here it is. A problem needs to be labeled as a problem to actually exist. A problem exists only when you interpret a situation as being a problem. Otherwise, there is no problem. And this is fascinating because I asked you before I said that to think about a problem, a problem that you have to deal with. And so I want us to be super practical and think about whatever that situation might be and process it. So I think the meeting you don't want to have with a client is, uh, or, or having a very open schedule, as another example, is that is a problem if you say it's a problem. Otherwise, let's pull back that label, West, take off the problem label, and just call it an opportunity. Okay, yeah. The meeting you're not looking forward to, I'm not going to judge that emotion, is an opportunity. 
Okay. So we're not going to remove the, I'm not feeling, I'm not, I'm not excited about it. But if you go, I'm not, I'm not feeling great about going into work today. What are you thinking? Um, what I would say about that, and I want you to take a crack at this next, Wes, is if for the meeting you're not looking forward to, a client that's been difficult, the client you don't think is going to buy, I think that you could take that instead of labeling it a problem, instead say, what can I do in this meeting to make me a better advisor, knowing what I know about this person, knowing they're difficult to work with, knowing I don't think they're going to buy? Um, can I try something completely different? Can yeah. I try a really different approach with this person? Can I be way, way more practical up front? I'll, I'll just say it confrontational. Yeah. You know, Mike, we've met four times and we just keep talking about this. I, I do this for a living. I've been doing it for this many years. It's the right thing for you to do. I'm not going to make you do it because that's illegal. But like, <laughs> are you going to do this or not? Because in my professional opinion, you need to do it, but I can't make you, you know, free yeah. will, man. But. And this is in the first like three minutes of the meeting. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, do it or don't, don't do it, but just do something. Right. Andy, I got a funny, funny story that is right in line with that. Yeah. Run with that. One, one well, of that's the, all I had on that. Go ahead. Okay. One of the, the meetings I was not looking forward to most was a very poorly set up, very poorly set up joint work meeting with a guy that was a friend of mine that, that he said, Hey, Wes, I got this meeting. Um, here's, and I said, well, tell me, he said, what would you say in this environment with this guy? So, well, tell me how you set it up. He said, well, I got a name from a guy who had a name who knew the guy's brother. And it was this convoluted way that he got the number. He calls him somehow in the, like they started having a conversation and the guy's like, why are you, why are you calling me? And he said, well, we do some, you know, financial work. And somehow the guy finally says, look, I mean, with all my advisors once a year, you got you got thirty minutes. Don't bring any more than three sheets of paper. They're your three best ideas, and uh, and we meet at four o'clock at the end of the day when I'm done with everybody else. And he's like, "What would you say?" I said, "I wouldn't go." And he said, "Oh, come on, Wes. But if you were going to go, what would you say?" And I said, "Look, if I was going to go, here, here's here's the way I'd do it." Now I, I gave him the answer, and then later he said, well, "Do you want to come do this meeting with me?" And I'm like, "God, not really." But I was like, "You know what? Okay, we we got to do it because the only way this is going to be one of those that I embrace instead of shy away from." Right. Is if I take on a different approach here. And, and so what am I thinking? I'm thinking I'm going to go in and sell the guy the most candid, like upfront thing that I think he's thinking right up front. So I went in there and you can all do this. If you, if you don't, I, I don't remember you like you have a lot of these kind of meetings, but if you do, and I walked in and I said, Hey, glad we have the time together to meet. Um, we'll take way less than 30 minutes today, unless you have questions, because we want to honor your time. Um, and we brought three really good ideas. And we didn't bring more than three sheets of paper. So we've honored what you asked there. I said, but the, the one thing I, I, I would just ask as, as you listen to these is there's hundreds of great ideas, hundreds of thousands of combinations of them. What makes one the best is totally unique to what the person's situation is. But I, I know exactly what today's about because you've met with all your advisors today. And probably as we're coming up here, you're thinking, I wish I could cancel this meeting because I don't want to meet at four o'clock after I've had a day full of meetings. And you have enough wealth because you're a very public figure. Everybody knows they've got their hands out trying to get in your pocket. And we're just standing in a line that appears to be in that category. So today, if anything's possible, you want to see, are we competent? And is it relevant? And do you like us and want to have another meeting? And I think within a very short time, we're going to be able to have a great dialogue around that. And and we set it up. And, and again, he he at the time did not change his mean facial expression or anything whatsoever. 
But we went through the ideas and I finished and he kind of got lighter at the end and ended up hiring us. He became one of our largest clients we ever had. Nice. So, but I, what was the difference in that for me was I felt good going into the meeting. In fact, as we were going in, I told my friend, I said, Hey, let's have fun. Let's, I said, we may get thrown out of the office. I don't know. I said, but, yeah. but we're going to tell the truth if, and it's going to, we're going to be honest and honoring with it. So yeah, those are tense. If you choose to tell yourself they're tense, right. Or they can be fun. If you choose to tell yourself, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to really enjoy this moment. I'm going to be happy with where I am on my way to where I'm trying to go. Yeah. I think that becomes, I mean, again, I think that, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's easy to do that when you're, you feel like it's not the, uh, you're not going to lose everything, you know? And I think that part of it is, is framing it and saying, no, this is just another meeting. And if that meeting makes you better, uh, then it's a win. You know, I, I heard this, um, recently, uh, somewhere I was watching a video and this person said, I do two L's and two W's, which is first I launch. I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll do something. Uh, I'll, I'll put something in, 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 like I'll have a meeting with someone. And he goes, and then I learn. He didn't say whether I win or lost. He said, I, I learned. So if, if I didn't get the, if I didn't get the sale, I'm going to learn. And then I'm going to take that wisdom and then I'm going to go win with it. But the only way you get two L's and two W's is you have to do stuff. Right. Yeah. And sometimes you get, sometimes, sometimes you got to lose, but then you learn and then you take that wisdom and you apply it and then you learn to win. Right. But what I would say is if, if someone said, Hey, success is on the other side of, of failure is the success, but you, you have to have a hundred meetings. Um, you'd go, great. I'll, I'll do a hundred. But the, the problem is no one knows what that number is. Right. And so they sort of live in this, like you're a boat without a, a, an, you have no oars. You have no mast with a sail on it. You have no rudder. Like you're just tossed about. Yeah. And what I would submit is that, and this book has helped me recognize this as well is that a vast majority of the feelings that we have, um, while we could have control over them, we have control over very, very, very few of them. That most of our days are happening to us. Your schedule, uh, your phone calls, your inbox, your text messages, uh, your meetings. Um, it, it is fascinating to me how much control, and again, if you're listening to this, you're listening on a device that's connected to satellites that you can't see, right? Uh, that, you know, and you're, you've got a roof over your head. You're doing better than 99% of the world, right? So I'm also not going to buy that, like, you're in that tough of a spot. Like, we live in a great time, you know? Yes, inflation. Yes, yada, yada, right? But, like, life is pretty good if you focus on the right things. And I would just submit that. Our lives will result from the way that we think. And then if you can figure that out, everything else figures itself out, right? So Wes, I want to ask this question on a really practical level as we kind of wrap up here. If this is so flippant important, why, why is it mostly, why is the only space this generally happens, you know, in a counselor's office or, a, you know, I mean, like, why is it, why is this emotional side of things and, or, or, and not just emotions as in like crying or happiness, but like, why is the way that we react and our emotions, why is it so untouched? You know what I mean? Why, why, why is this just not, I mean, you can listen to a thousand and listen, I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. You can listen to a thousand Michael Kitsis episodes. You're probably not going to hear the word emotion once. All right. You know, like, well, why is this so important? And yet, not talked about. So I think it comes down to 
there is an absence of daily and and I'll say rhythmic disciplines that cause people to live life by design rather than yeah. by default. Yeah. Well, so what you're saying though is another another way of saying that to flip it is that that we that most people are living within a rhythm of default. They are. They right. are. There's, there's they're not living in like, a they're not living in a and let me give a quick example and then I'll throw it back to you. Um, I'm I'm thinking of when the the Falcons were up on the Patriots. Was it twenty eight to three? Oh yeah. At okay. At halftime, but guess what? Football games have this thing built in called halftime. They, they, they have this rhythm of all right, stop and reevaluate, and they reevaluated and they figured it out. Right? Yeah. They're they're not defined by twenty eight to three. They're defined by the final score. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and what's fascinating is that that people in their lives don't have a halftime they just yeah. keep playing right they just keep they keep playing and, and it goes in a bad direction yeah. so wes tell me tell me tell me let, let's let's end this episode with some hope yeah <laughs> like yeah absolutely tough, like we've been tough on people today so sorry sorry folks but but how, how do you build in um, um moments of introspection how do you build in relationships how do you build in uh, a way of, of of not operating by default yeah, I, I think um, one of the best ways that that I know to do this is to create space in your day to regularly get back in touch with your exciting vision and your grateful condition. And we've done past episodes on this, Andy, but just as for maybe, maybe you missed out on that, you can go search it. We'll put it in the show notes as to when we discussed it. But most people don't regularly define, if, if I have... Three years down the road, if I'm telling you my story, Andy, about a day in the life of me, what my life is like in all the big areas of life I care about, my, you know, my financial, my spiritual, my relationships, my professional, uh, my physical, what, what, what story would I want to tell? What, what does a beautiful, rich life look like in all those areas? And, and then, and then it gives me the ability to, so have that, right? And then, and then also taking time to say, and right now, what are the things that I have that if I was to go back and tell the, three-year younger version of myself, these are all the cool things that are going to, these are the grateful things that you'll be grateful for that you have. And I was to tell them that, that, that they would be super grateful for. And then regularly take time to revisit both. So every single day, one of the, just, it's kind of like going to the gym. You know, if you're, you want to get in better shape, you, you probably need to exercise and have some kind right. of limited diet. And this is one of those things like going to the gym for me. I show up in the morning and I say, all right, in all the big areas of life I care about, what is my vision there? And I read it. And that one activity, one gives me, you know, that old quote Nietzsche had, he has a why in life can bear through anyhow. And, and cause we'll have to do hard things. But, but when I know why I'm doing them, because I know where we're going together and I am excited about it, it builds my emotional fitness. It builds my emotional gas tank to be able to get into the day. Now, now part two of that is, is I'm also gratitude. Gratitude builds my emotional gas tank, my emotional. Yeah, 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 saying, hey, what, what am I happy about right now? What's going well? Because we're so fo- future focused sometimes, and I'm so guilty of that. I fail to take inventory of man. Look at all this cool stuff, and yeah. and and all and how how great things are going. So when you start the day that way, you go in way more aware, way more. The best leaders I know are aware leaders. They go in knowing where they want to go, happy about where they're at on the way to where they're going. Not that there's not stuff they're fixing, not that there's not difficult times. And then and and then the alarm bell immediately it's it's like already you're set up to go 
like if you if you're every day you step on the scale and you log your you're logging your food and what you're eating, right? When something outside of what you know is going to get you to where you want to go physically shows up, you say, "No, I'm not. I'm not eating that by default." Right. Yeah. So when an emotion arises in me, and this is my one of my alarm bells, is if I have an anxiety, an anxious moment, or I'm fearful, or something that shows up like that, I mean, I go, "Wait a minute, what are you thinking?" What, what are you thinking? And and for some of our listeners, Andy, it might be a good idea if one, engage in that activity every day because it automatically will make you ask this question more throughout your right. day. But two, have maybe you print it out. Maybe you put it on, put what am I thinking out on your computer and move it around every day so that yeah. and as those things occur, you go, wait a minute, what am I thinking? This is, I'm going to have fun because I know this is going to get me where I want to go. So I'm yeah. going to enjoy this experience instead of be fearful or anxious about the experience. What has to happen, what has to happen for what you said to be true is for you who are listening to our voices or watch us on YouTube, whatever, you have to believe that these two things are true. One is out of the book I'm reading and one is about, I'm going to tell you. First is this, you have to believe that how you feel determines the quality of your life. I think most people would agree with that. That's from the book, you know. How you feel determines the quality. Yeah, like, yeah, no duh, guys. Yeah, how I feel. How, how is your day? That will determine the quality of your day and your life, right? But you have to believe the next part, which is that you actually have control over how you feel. Because if how you feel determines the quality of your life and you're, you know, everything that's happening to you and you don't have control of your feelings, then you don't have control over the quality of your life. But if how you feel determines the quality of your life and you have control over how you feel, then you have control over the quality of your life. And what I would submit for myself and for anyone listening is that if you want a better quality of life, then you have to probably listen to this episode again <laughs> and um, decide that you're going to take some of Wes's advice on the practical things you can do to start to change the way you feel. And we encourage you to do that. We're here for you. Uh, we want to encourage and empower you in practical ways. Uh, and so we do appreciate you listening. Uh, we do never, we never want to come off as preachy. Uh, one of the things I love to say about a great preacher is they're talking to themselves first, right? Uh, they're, they're preaching a sermon to themselves. And so this is an ongoing battle. Um, as long as you're breathing, you're going to fight this battle, but you have to be aware that the battle is there in order to fight it. So Wes, I deeply appreciate the, the practical nature of your advice today. Um, I'm grateful that your friend is still alive and well, um, from the potato gun incident. <laughs> um, and, um, I'm grateful that, uh, uh, I'm grateful that you were able to take the, the time to impart some wisdom on the listeners today. Awesome. Thanks, Andy. Great to be with you. 